This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. White Lives Matter, says Kanye West. More from Bill Gates' plan to control information and Cam's Hurricane Ian experience. You're listening to the Propaganda Report podcast. I'm Brad Binkley. Joining me today is host of the Mad Ones podcast, Cam Harless. Cam, glad to have you back. You were in the heart of the Hurricane Ian storm last week. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience? Well, I mean, it. it <sighs> hurricanes are fun. I was hurricane-proof. I was hurricane proof up until Ian because I had lived in central Florida where I live now on and off for over, you know, over a decade, over probably about 15 year period. And, um, anytime I was living here, there weren't hurricanes. And anytime I went away, there were. And so like, I had this really good streak of luck that I was never, I never had a hurricane to worry about. Uh, but this is, this is the exception. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't super bad. Like it really, it really wasn't. Um, I'll, I, I should have sent you some pictures, which it was I a 500 year storm. They said, yeah, well, I mean, but that's the thing. By the time it got to us, this is going to sound such a weird thing to say. Uh, it was only a category three, uh, rather than the category four that it was before. So, I mean, it was, it was bad. I don't have a fence anymore. Um, and one of my palm trees is is sideways. But I mean, other than that, we didn't have any damage. And that's why you you go for the cinder block house. That's all I'm saying. I see. Do you have palm tree insurance? Uh, I don't think that that's a thing. I wouldn't show yeah, that a Florida person. Is that Everclear that you have? Do you have actual Everclear <laughs> in your hand? Or is that, are you about to go to a fraternity party <laughs> and drink some hunch punch? Oh, man. Sir that. Tim of Tunnels asked if you're streaming from the Ark after that flood that happened down there. Was uh, it? I know you guys had to leave. You went and stayed somewhere else. Well, what's so we we went to my wife's grandparents' house, which is pretty close. Uh, the reason we went over there is because they have a generator, and we don't. Uh, so what was funny about it though is that our power, because I was able to check whether or not our power was still on by going to my router wirelessly and seeing if it was on. Cause if the router's on power's on. Um, and so it, it didn't, that didn't go off until I think like 11. No, 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 not 11, about eight thirty nine. 
I'm very tired. I haven't slept a full night since. It's been a That's very what hurricane Ian will do to you. <laughs> Sleep gravity. Um, but no, I mean, like, I think our power went off at like eight and then it came back on the next day at four. Yeah. So we got the best of it, really. I mean, I, like I said, I lost I lost a fence, but I don't have to pay for pay to put it back. So who cares? Right. That's great. Yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely also better than losing a person. So that's true. That's yeah, true. Give the fence over a person. Now, the important question is, are you sufficiently enough impacted by climate change to have that be the primary motivator of your vote moving forward in your life? Uh, absolutely. I, I wasn't afraid of climate change until it blew over my fence. And now I know it's a real threat and it's even more scary than Washington elites to children. Right. The climate change, definitely. So we have to align with the Washington elites to fight the common enemy of climate change because it's our own fault. And... I tweeted this the other day. Some of you have probably seen this or heard it, but every year they have the reporter out in the field who's fighting the gusting winds and the sideways rain just to report to us what's going on in the hurricane. And then there's a person just casually strolling in the background. And we have this year's version that I'm going to show you, Cam. I don't know if you've seen this yet, but I'm going to play it for those who are watching. And for those who are listening, it's what I just described. There's yet another person pretending to be blown away by the winds of the hurricane while someone in the back who's walking to their car shows that they're, the reporter is very much dramatizing what we're seeing. Here it is. For only the most extreme moments, they don't issue those lightly. And clearly, the way that we're getting whipped around and battered by this violent wind is enough reason for us. There he is in the background. <laughs> So the reporter has a helmet on, okay? <laughs> has like a like he's in World War II helmet. Bullets are coming at his head. They don't issue these warnings lightly. We're we're being battered by the wind. He's ducking. He's got he probably has a helmet on because I saw some of these other reports where the guys were saying the gusting winds and they're moving their bodies around and you can see that the wind is not even strong enough to move their hair around. <laughs> It's not even so he's got to wear that helmet to make sure you can't notice that. And then the person just casually walking to their car behind him. And you would think they would have somebody blocking off the area around them to make sure nobody walked by. Or maybe they want us to play with this. I don't know. I'll, I'll let this finish, then we can talk about it. But, but do you remember that clip of the guy, the woman in the canoe? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, from a few years ago. Yeah. Yes, it's hilarious, these people. Bear with them. All right, bear with him. Meanwhile, the person behind him either has the strongest core of anybody you've ever met. They've just really been working that core out so they can fight through those winds easier than him. Or he's just full of it, like a lot of these people are. And not to say that it wasn't dangerous. But I mean, it took out your fence and people have died from it. There's no doubt that it's scary. But all these people want to do is show off. They just want to go down and be the hurricane reporter that braved it and then tell us that climate change is the cause and they can just, they can go Hunter Biden themselves for all I care. I, again, I talked about in the show that I did, I posted on Saturday that my favorite hurricane stunt this time was the woman, the very attractive woman who put the condom on her microphone to protect the microphone from the rain. I was like, now there's a, there's a stunt I haven't seen yet. And I can appreciate that one a lot more than clowns like this in a world war two helmet fighting <laughs> off the dangerous, I get bullets range is they don't want to get, now you know a bullet pierces his temple and kill him. Unbelievable. Was it this so, scary? Were you dressed like this guy? 
So here's the deal. I, I saw this video start, and I saw how the the trees were blowing, and I was like, oh, that looks a lot like what we had the other day, obviously. It's the same storm, right? Yeah. Um, but here's the deal. I don't think I sent you this video. I did put it on TikTok, uh, but I decided that... Oh, you were naked? Is that the one? Yeah. <laughs> you sent me that one. You, Cam <laughs> sent me a video where he claims to be naked. I was naked. In fact, yeah, no, I, I went outside in that level of wind, uh, butt naked and streaked because I wanted to out Florida, the Florida men. Right. You, you should have done a weather report while you were naked. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that you, it's hard to see anything in that video because it's very dark. I Thank think, God, uh, right? I think you were aware of that. Cam. Believe me, I looked, I looked a whole lot. <laughs> Oh boy. And that's the thing. Well, I will say the wind was a little annoying because I did fall twice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it seemed like it was intense. There's no doubt that it was intense, but they try and overhype these things. They never make it about the actual safety of the people. They they make it about trying to push climate change and trying to be the new star reporter about weather, which is unfortunate because I think people probably end up staying in place when they might otherwise have gone to safety and probably put themselves in harm's way. So I, I would say that the reporting on the hurricanes and a lot of other reporting is, the re- is responsible for many deaths in this country right now because of how much they lie and how much they care about themselves far more than actually getting to the truth of things. Moving on from Hurricane Ian, another storm, Kanye West, Storm Kanye West had, uh, I think it was a fashion show that he did, and during his fashion show, he wore, and so did the models, and apparently... What's the, what's the Candace black Owens. Republican, the girl, the Candace chick Owens. that are, yes, Candace Owens was also there. They were all sporting their White Lives Matter shirts, t-shirts during uh, the, the new Yeezy line presentation in Paris. And this is how Rolling Stone reported on this story, which, you know, Rolling Stone, very unbiased, you know, publication there. They said that white supremacists such as the KKK and the Aryan Renaissance Society have overtaken the Black Lives Matter phrase used by black people protesting police brutality and reframed it. The Anti-Defamation League has characterized the phrase as a hate slogan speaking about white lives matter. So that's a hate slogan to say that white lives matter. Just because someone on the far left or the far right says something like that doesn't make that thing like an evil speech you know it's like similar to defining an entire group by the worst person who claims to be a part of that group or have their beliefs aligned by that group hitler was a dog lover that does not mean all dog lovers are hitler and Um, i know that's a ridiculous comparison but that is the way that they talk about it see epitome of flawed reasoning like an obvious logical fallacy yet when it comes to anything to do with race in america or any other issues that matter this fallacious argument is what progressive propagandists rely on to shut down any Real conversation, quite honestly, promote racism by applying different rules to different groups. Yeah, but, you know, all dogs are, I mean, all dog lovers are Nazis, though. I mean, that was a horrible example. Is that true? Right, yes. Yeah, all right. that's why it was a bad example. Right, right. I should have thought about that first. I, I should stop putting dog pictures up. I don't want people to you find should. out. You don't my... want people to know. Right, exactly. It, it, it's the whole thing, man. It's about like identity politics. Like I would never wear a shirt that said "White Lives Matter," just not because I, I don't care. Who cares? Like I mean, I care about all lives, I, and of course that's also racist and bigoted. But I would also never wear a shirt that says "Proud White Man." Like I saw a woman the other day that had on a T-shirt that said "Proud Black Woman," which is fine. Wear whatever you want, but. The equivalent of that, I, I would just feel really stupid wearing that because my life isn't all about something that I had nothing to do with. 
You know, I didn't. And there's a, do you remember uh, probably four or five years ago, there was a guy in a subway and he was wearing, he had a uh, swastika Nazi patch on his arm. And I don't know if he was cosplaying or doing what he looked like a total nerd. It's quite a cosplay. But there were people who, well, I mean, you know, like anime and furries, there's a weird Nazi element. I don't know if you knew that, but yeah, I didn't know. I haven't done the research. Um, but no, I remember seeing this guy in this video get punched and kicked by people for wearing this thing. So, I mean, if I wore a proud white man shirt, I, I feel like I would probably get punched. Like it wouldn't just be an, Oh, this makes me feel stupid or I'm, this is racist. It's I'm going to get my, my butt kicked or they're going to try. Right. That, I mean that also, and the whole, like and I know that it's a provocation to wear something like that, and so Kanye can get away with that because Kanye does that type of stuff, and Kanye also he's good at doing publicity stunts to get attention, and he likes to be counterculture. So I, I think this is also in part a publicity stunt, which got him the attention that he wanted to get for his his line of of clothing, whatever. I'm sure it'll be funny to see a bunch of people, a bunch of proud boys wearing Kanye West gear now after after seeing all of that. He's also not white. That's another reason why he can get away with that. Right, exactly. He's not white, and that's why he can get away with that. But this whole idea of like making yourself about this immutable thing, this thing that you know you weren't. Of course, they change that now with the cultures. You can choose your sex, and you can you can't choose your biology though. And so, I, why would you be proud of something you had nothing to do with? This whole idea of identity politics it treats people not as individuals, but as just the group, meaning that no one within that group is any different than any other individual. And it strips away all that's unique and beautiful about individuals in favor of pushing this global collectivist agenda. And quite frankly, I, I don't get how people like Stacey Abrams and others are able to rope people into this idea that identity politics is good. And she does. She promotes that identity politics is good. She says at a Brookings Institute discussion, a speech that she gave like two years ago, that she likes identity politics. It's gotten her to where she is today. And she's not wrong about that. But it's a horrible thing. Agreed. Agreed. She's also really not easy to look at so it's like why why even listen to her yeah you don't question. yeah you don't want to be identified as the stacy abrams group because then that is a representative of that group there <laughs> all right so i have a couple clips for you from this conference that bill gates had i played some of them the other day but i wasn't able to get to all of them and this was called a global goalkeepers conference and he's been doing it since 2017 had to take a few years off because bill gates has because of the pandemic and whatnot but what they had was a panel discussion on disinformation they speak to a lot of the the disinformation concerns going on right now and the first one that i want to play for you is he kind of identifies what the global goalkeepers are and what they're trying to do. They're younger influencers around the globe. So that's kind of a common theme. We find these influencers around the globe. We put our messages in their mouth. And here's how Bill Gates describes kind of the the way they can use these global goalkeepers to make people care about the moral issues that right now are under the radar to them. And by the way, you'll notice that this is hosted by a familiar actor this panel discussion from Harold and Kumar. Well, the one good thing we'll about climate change is that Help it's him. not just happening in the equatorial regions. I think Everybody's part of the reason the voters uh, have some empathy there is that these heat waves and droughts and forest fires are even affecting yeah. the United States and Europe. It's yeah. more acute. You know, these Pakistani floods 
are unbelievable. unbelievable. I mean, I, you know, I understand that things in Pakistan are tough, but now they've become super mm. uh, difficult. And that, you know, some of that would have happened, but climate change accentuated that quite a bit. So I think, you know, when people feel engaged, um, you know, HIV, because it was a worldwide epidemic, that's what he's getting at, how you engage people about something they normally wouldn't care about. That really helped create the Global Fund. Malaria got you know, put in there, even though the direct experience of malaria in you know, rich companies, countries was gone a long time ago. Um, and so in a world of digital, can you really take uh, the challenges in developing countries and make them more visible? Yeah. Or if you overdo it, and it's kind of a negative message when people are dealing with challenges, do you, do you make them tune out? And, yeah. you know, the goalkeepers are uh, creative uh, about how we get that moral message across without uh, making it something you just don't even want to hear about. Yeah. So that part at the end is what really stuck out as he was given that description, is the moral message. So the message that these people determine is moral so moral that they have to impose it upon everyone in the planet so that justifies using trickery in order to make it impactful to them, to make, like he talked about, the good thing about climate change uh, uh, is because they can feel it. Although I, I, I think he's off on that. I don't think people are believing the idea that every storm is connected to climate change. Like I said before, you can type in, climate change killed my blank, or climate change destroyed my blank, and you'll find articles that write about that because they try and connect it to personal uh, feelings at home. They try and make it more important than the pocketbook issues and putting food on the table. That's like their whole mission. How do we make things we care about with this global work community that they want to create and make it more important than people's individual things that they experience at home? And I don't think they've done that with climate change, but that's what he's talking about here, using these global goalkeepers to affect the people in their little groups around the world because they have they so this is what this is there's a bunch of young people who are listening to this panel discussion that they're essentially giving advice to through these discussions bill gates through this whole panel discussion he like rolled out a a tree and he's like this is a tree and this is why he started talking about the emissions and then he he did like a cooking demonstration where i don't know if they cooked bugs in it because i didn't watch the whole thing but i i presume they probably got to that discussion they are always looking for these ways to rope us in to caring about these issues that really don't affect us that only they care about on a global scale I just can't understand how this man is doing any of the stuff that he's doing. He, f he made a computer, and he didn't even make the computer. He made software, and right. we're supposed to trust him about climate change and this and that. The dude knows yeah, how he's to got code. money. It's money. I mean, it, it really is the power. How he got his money, he was this figure who he got propped up, and I don't know. I don't know how he has influence. So he has money, and yes, money carries influence. But usually, you have to have some charisma to go with that and he lacks charisma like I, I i think i could ask 100 people do you like bill gates and i don't know that any of them would be like say yes some might be like i don't know they might be indifferent about it but i don't know anybody's gonna be like i love bill gates i do i, I buy anything bill gates promotes i don't know a person who would do that no. and all right so now this is where kumar of harold and kumar comes in this this panel discussion was hosted by have you seen that movie the white castle harold and kumar go to white I castle I may have watched the whole thing, but I was just going to say, I don't know if you know this about Kumar. Did you know that he was acting for a good long while? He was even in-house, and then he stepped away 
from acting. All right. I played bring... I played a clip of him talking, but he goes to the Obama administration. He starts off his thing yeah. here by saying a lot of people think that I quit acting and started working as an aide in the Obama administration to be a propagandist. But you know that's not true because had I been a propagandist, then the rollout of the healthcare website would have gone a lot better. <laughs> so that was his little—then he just kind of blew by that. Yeah, he's clearly a propagandist. Clearly. That's what he is. It's funny that they try and pretend he's not. This is the type of stuff you read propaganda literature before 2016. It's all about, yeah, they rope actors in. They rope people of wide influence into their administration to spread propaganda. And now they're openly talking about how, yeah, we do that too, but we're not spreading propaganda. We're spreading the moral message is what we're spreading. Here is Kumar asking about what the biggest tragedy of the pandemic was in regards to disinformation. And towards the end of the clip is where Bill kind of really lets out what the problem the globalists have with the rest of the planet. My first question, I think, has to be um, for Bill here. And I, because of the intro, I'm dying to know, why did you put microchips in our vaccines? And what was the coolest thing you saw when you tracked all of us? Uh, no, okay, the real question, uh, what, what was different um, from your experience about misinformation in the past two years? I mean, you've been a target, obviously, of something like this before. Is it more of the same, or has the, ha, have the last two years had a, a, a markedly different experience? No, the pandemic was completely unexpected. I mean, literally... Oh, was it? Uh, what about Event 201? I forgot about that. It was completely unexpected? They, they did the whole thing in Event 201. They did it to a T in Event 201. It was completely unexpected? Clearly it wasn't. 90% of the messages, millions of them, that had anything to do with me were about how maybe vaccines were a plot, you know, this whole tracking thing. You know, why do I want to track you? I don't know, you know. Uh, <laughs> do I have time to track all these <laughs> it's people? It's very and, funny, Bill. Uh, I mean, I'm really interested. Yeah. No, right. I, I could tell you a lot about <laughs> yourself. Uh, and so, you know, very in a humorous. way it was so strange, it was almost funny, but then... You know, I'd go out in the street and people would yell at me for putting <laughs> chips in them. And, you know, things were written about, you know, these vaccines were actually to kill people instead of to save their lives. So I'd say the biggest tragedy is that uh, it fragmented society where uh, certain sources, if they told you to wear a mask, that was the last thing you were going to do. Or they told you, you know, to get the vaccine, particularly to protect, uh, reduce transmission to elderly people. Uh, they didn't comply. And so it is uh, a phenomena uh, that held us back and hurt us in a, in a pretty dramatic way. You know, so I just, th they didn't comply. They didn't comply. That's the problem. People did not comply is the tragedy of the pandemic messaging. I just can't get past the way he said the word fragmented. Did you hear that? Fragmented. 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 I've never heard a human being say that before in my life. Yeah. Well, you just heard Bill Gates say it right there. Yeah. He does. He speaks very strangely. We got a, a link from Jack here in the chats of rare footage of Bill Gates from 1998. Shows him, this is what it says on the description, shows him pretending not to understand English and acting strange. I'm going to play that. I've never watched this. So let's see what Bill Gates looks like here. This is, and he looks very young here. Here's that video. He's Gates' like, business strategies came under fire in 1998 when the United States Department of Justice sued Microsoft for antitrust violations. This is take three of the videotape deposition of Bill Gates. 
It's rocking back and forth. Trial, Gates gave hours of videotape testimony. What were the non-Microsoft browsers that you were concerned about in January of 1996? That month. Yes, sir. And what about it? What non-Microsoft browsers were you concerned about in January of 1996? I don't know what you mean concerned. He's just rocking um, back and forth weirdly. What is it about the word concerned that you don't understand? He's just sitting there, strangely confused. I'm not sure what you mean by it. The Justice Department has charged Microsoft with engaging in anti-competitive and exclusionary practices designed to maintain its monopoly in personal computer operating systems. Here's the pie to the face video. Bill Gates is a strange bird. I think that's what that, I mean, that is clear in that video. And he clearly had an issue socially. It's almost like he's, I, I don't know. I don't know a lot about autism. <laughs> I, I, I'm not trying to. I know, you know. I don't know a lot about it, so I don't want to diagnose him off of this. Well, he's there's not, something. Is he a libertarian? What, Bill Gates? Yeah. I don't know. Does he claim to be a libertarian? Uh, no, I, I don't think he does. But that makes him not autistic. If he's not a libertarian, he's not aut- autistic. So it has right. Of course, else. I see. I see what you're saying. There. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it, Bill, he's just a strange guy. He's got a strange story, and he's clear, clearly seems to be propped up for what reason? I don't know. I, I really don't know why they would choose someone like him unless they wanted to have somebody who was, you know, not appealing to people, who, who was very much not charismatic, who, I don't know. It's just, no. it's strange. He seems like the kind of person. I mean, look at him in that video. He's that, just rocking back and forth violently almost. And every yeah. every time he's going to ask a question, it's, he, it's odd. He looks like the kind of guy who did not ever, he was never liked in high school. He wasn't popular. Yeah. He never got girls. And yeah, I, he, he's, he, he really seems like the guy who will pay any amount of money to be relevant and thought of as cool or good or upstanding right. or whatever. I think yeah. this is, I think you're right. It's just a money game. Yeah, with with money comes power, and he's certainly got plenty of that. A couple more of these, then we'll get out of here to the XR. Now, this is a woman named Renee Darista. Renee Darista is in every single one of these panel discussions about disinformation. She was associated with the group that wrote the Senate Intelligence Report on Russian disinformation, which was the same group that is actually the only group that there has been evidence where they created fake Russian bots and tried to make it look like it was Russia. They were actually kicked off Facebook and they admitted this. They did this in 2017 and New York Times even exposed it and they quickly buried that article. She's associated with that group and yet she's like the foremost expert on disinformation and she speaks about some of these solutions to this. And we've heard this, we've heard this from her and others a number of times, but it's worth hearing again because this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to go to your local communities and they're trying to make it look like a ground up grassroots effort to fight against wrong information. They want to turn your neighbor into gobels. I mean, that's, yeah, and here she is. Touched on this a little bit. I wanted to dive a little bit. Uh, yeah, that's what Bill Gates said. We all touched on this a little deeper bit. Deeper into solutions. Have, uh, can you talk a little bit about some some of the developments that uh, continue to look promising? This guy is literally the star of Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, leading a Bill Gates 
Global Goalkeepers Conference? So I would say um, number one is an, a real need for institutional adaptation. Um, there, I, I think that our institutions just have, have not necessarily uh, adapted to this new media environment. I think that we do need to have much more transparency, much more constant streams of communication, um, much more engaging with communities, right? Engaging with influencers. And that kind of leads to point two, which is who is the right messenger? Understanding that the right messenger is not necessarily going to be a top-down institutional authority at this point, that it is, you know, as Bill notes, perhaps a local religious leader, perhaps a local community leader. Um, oh, and Margaret Singer. The, yep. uh, the kind yeah. of primary ways in which we can reach communities with good information from trusted sources and keep that information kind of continually updating. What is good information? To them, what is oh, good information? Information that makes people do what you want them to do. <laughs> comply. Like yeah. Bill Gates said earlier, good information is information that people will comply with and not question. They don't want you questioning anything, and they're going to tell your local religious leader. So if you start seeing your local preacher hanging out with some strange new person in town who happens to maybe be a member of Indivisible or something like that, then you might want to go to them and be like, hey, look, I think that might be a communist trying to poison your mind with globalist propaganda. Did you share um, my uh, espionage when I sent it to you the other day, or was that not was that during the weekend? You sent me um, an image from the Facebook group of the Indivisible Truth Brigade. I, I didn't share it. I, I just saw the image. Yeah, so um, the image is just kind of one of those boring things. Truth is on the ballot. Research <laughs> right. before you vote. Hashtag yeah. Truth Brigade. Uh, but I wanted to share it, share it with you because it's, it's hilarious. Um, yeah. Hello, disinformation fighters. Please share this Facebook post uh, with your with your group to stop candidate-specific lies. See how in my content below. <laughs> right. I know my... <laughs> Do they copy and paste messages in the content below? Yeah, well, I mean, this is le legitimately what... In, in, if you want to search this particular sentence, you'll probably find it. I know, it. It's, I know my Democratic leaders want to make things better for my family. So when I hear Republicans uh, claim otherwise, I stop and research. November 8th, I'm voting based on facts <laughs> to protect my family. Hashtag truth brigade, hashtag elect, election truth. I, I love that they say I stop and research in a copy and paste messages. Message they're telling people to, to just paste. They're not telling them to stop and do their research or just telling them to paste a message that says that they stopped and did their research. It's extraordinary. And one more from her. No, one more from this guy who's a fat. He, he's started a fact check organization out of India, and he kind of elaborates on what Renee was saying here. I think the, the success, if we've seen any, or we've seen lots of it actually, is basically uh, is where the hyperlocal connect uh, with community leaders has worked. Uh, I've seen it in Mumbai as well for measles campaigns, uh, and the example I gave earlier was more central India. And again, uh, where uh, uh, there was a certain community which was resisting uh, the vaccine because they felt that it would do them harm and so on. But when the officials went and sat down with them and did one-on-one -on -one, uh, interactions and group interactions, things, uh, things changed. So I think that works. But I think at a... At uh, let's stop there. They're right. And I, I've talked about that a lot, that one-on-one -on -one interaction with people, and you guys all know that. That is how you actually can speak to people who are kind of overwhelmed and just being a, a MP, was it NPC? Is that what it's called? Non-player yeah, character? Yeah, just repeating the same thing online. You can actually speak to people, and they know that. So now they're sending their forces or propaganda forces in your community to try and have those one-on-one -on -one conversations. Well, and like I said, uh, I said Margaret Singer, because there's this, there's this quote that people use 
um, to claim that she was racist, which from what I've been told when I've spoken to, to uh, people who are far more knowledgeable than I, uh, that it's actually more nefarious in a way because she, uh, Margaret Sanger didn't just want to kill, you know, black children or whatever. She wanted every, every person that she didn't think was worthwhile of no matter the race to be killed off. She was a straight up eugenicist. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that's quoted a lot is when she talks about how they need to send um, their black preachers in and have the community leaders do it and all of that. And it's very clearly a part of their propaganda that they've had since the 1920s. So it's like Tuskegee project. It's like a perfect example of that. Yeah. But I mean, it's just crazy hearing her say the, the religious leaders in this, it's the exact same playbook and it's so out in the open that it's stupid. Totally. So a couple comments where we play the rest of this clip. We have a Sir Tim of Tunnel says Bill Gates has a sex appeal of a bus crash. I'd say that's flattering for Bill yeah. Gates, actually. Yeah. Jack says, why do these people always look exactly like these people are supposed to look like? Yeah, <laughs> it's a great question. Right. All right. Let's hear uh, the rest of this clip here. A slightly larger level, uh, this is, uh, 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 it's a longer term problem. I mean, and health is misinformation is one part of the misinformation challenge that we're facing. And in a way, I believe uh, on the optimistic side that if you fix this, then you will move towards addressing the larger problem of misinformation. Just speaking optimistically. Uh, but, but I think if, if we were to focus on the demand side once again, you know, children, how, how do you, you know, can we do workshops? We do workshops, you know, on Instagram for an hour teaching children how to uh, uh, detect uh, in misinformation or by... Just to be clear, I know it can be hard to understand. We do workshops for an hour on Instagram, I'm guessing weekly or some monthly or something like, to help children detect misinformation. And that's what he's talking about. He's getting into targeting the youngest people and the oldest people with their lessons. Gamifying it. Simple stuff. Gamifying uh, it. We've even done, during the peak of the academic, uh, peak of the pandemic, we've done workshops with adults. Knowing that, uh, and I, when I mean adults, I mean really 65 plus, you know, people who have time, who have shared a lot of information. And, and those workshops were quite useful because, I mean, and we were not trying to tell them that this is right or this is wrong. We're just saying that this is how you can train yourself to go and ask for the source of that information or misinformation. The source. The case might be. Right. So which we hope goes beyond health uh, and, and is, is able to solve. But that's the demand side. On the supply side, I think we have a bigger problem in some ways. Uh, we, I feel that we have to work with the platforms. I mean, the platforms are already now, uh, the, the social platforms are already beginning to filter things. Now, some of us might agree with it. Some of, it uh, some of us might not agree with it. But I feel there is no choice. We have to work with platforms to ensure that there is more authoritative information surfaced. The platforms work with authoritative uh, sources to ensure that only that information surfaces. Okay, I'm not saying delete stuff, but maybe suppress the distribution of it, which some platforms do already. Yes, but of course. if I think this, the problem is technology linked and distribution linked, the solution too, I think, will be technology and distribution linked, at least to some point. Of course. And what do people who are very young, young children and people over 65 have in common, Cam? Um, one of the many things they have in common. Children and 65-year-olds? Yes, when it comes to um, technology. They're not good with it. Exactly. And they use it too much. Exactly. So that is, you know, I, I, I used to have to tell my dad that these things here, because people who are older, they love a deal. Everybody loves a deal. But they have the propaganda that targets people who uh, are elderly, not to say 65 is elderly, but they are going towards that age range. And then they target younger people. I remember 
friends of mine whose kids would just click on something on a on an iPad or something, and then after getting it, ten minutes after having it, it would just crash because they're just clicking on all of the wrong things. And so they seem to be attempting to co-opt these age groups through these lessons where the focus of these lessons, and, and we've all seen them, it's focused on trust these sources. We saw this in that Truth Brigade episode we did a couple of weeks ago. It's, not, it's never about the message or the content about the message for them. It's about these are the sources you can trust and these are the ones you cannot trust. And he actually talks about that a little bit later in a couple of clips we're going to play in the XR. But th- this, is, this is something that I, I, I imagine they probably train people without those people's families and friends being aware because kids get on the internet, you know, it's hard to stop a kid from getting on the internet. And you have tons of kids, Kim, you probably are fully aware of this, but kids can very much get on and get around the internet and be affected by stuff that they, it's kind of unfiltered to them. I've had friends of mine, ki- friends of mine's kids say something that I've been like, have you been spending a lot of time on 4chan or something like that? Or, or some other random, depending on the type of message they get. And they know that. These propagandists know that. So they go to them because that is that unfiltered communication. I played some clips a couple of years ago from the psychological warfare guy. It was a military panel discussion where they said, we love YouTube. We love these other websites because that gives us direct contact with the minds of three-year-olds. And this is kind of the approach they're taking here. What are your thoughts, Cam? Have you ever, have you had any issues with like internet usage and stuff? No. Well, I mean, I I, I had my like gen- generalized internet usage. I did have an issue with someone stealing my debit card <laughs> right. the other day. Right. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. other than that, yeah, no, yeah. I just I just happened upon this story about Herschel Walker. Um. Do you have you heard of this about how he? Have you heard anything about the Herschel Walker Walker thing? Sorry to. I've heard a lot about rail. Let, let me say. Let me respond to something. Then tell me about Herschel Walker. There's a comment that says, "I disagree. Kids are born knowing technology, and I'm 65 and good with tech." I, I don't disagree with that. So, here's the thing about like kids and technology. They know how to hack stuff. They know how to hack stuff definitely. So they know how to hack it better than their teachers. So we have teachers who are operating entire schools based on technology that the students know how to hack, and the teachers don't know anything about. But that doesn't change the informational aspect of it. So some of these same kids that are very good with knowing how to like hack and get into stuff are are very susceptible to the the type of of propagandistic in, information that gets kind of overwhelmed them, and they. They, they reach them through these influencers that they talk about, that, that Rene Darista here talked about and Bill Gates talks about. And yeah, 65, I, I think that 65, people who are 65 are fine with technology. What I'm thinking about is people who are older, people who are closer to 80 is what I'm talking about. So let me hear about, I do, I know a little bit about Herschel Walker. What story did you happen upon? Um, so apparently, wait, is, it, is this just 11 minutes old? Came out at There's a lot seven. going on about Herschel Walker right now because at, he's yeah, running up against... Um, it came out at seven today. Uh, apparently, the the name of this particular article is "Pro Life Herschel Walker Paid for a Girlfriend's Abortion." The woman woman has receipts and a get well card. She says the football star, now a Senate candidate, sent her. So they're saying that he paid for a, an abortion in two thousand nine. Yeah. So that's going on right now, and his son, uh, Christian Walker, by his son. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, tweeted about an hour ago. 
Uh, I know my mom and I would really appreciate it if my father, Herschel Walker, stopped lying and making a mockery of us. You're not a family man when you left us to bang a bunch of women, threatened to kill us, and had us move over six times in six months running from your violence. So Herschel Walker has written a book about – before Herschel Walker like really officially ran, what I I said on on a show was I said, if you want to see what racism is – Wait till Herschel Walker announces that he's running and then watch what happens. And I'm not saying Herschel Walker is a good candidate. I think he's a terrible candidate. But Herschel Walker wrote a book where he talks about all of this and he talks about his struggles with it. I'm not saying that it's okay by any stretch of the imagination, but they're talking about all this stuff that, stuff that he did and then they're taking stuff that he says and they're making him look dumb. And I watched some of Herschel, Herschel Walker's interviews and I got to tell you, man, he, 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 he's not a great candidate. No, He's not a great I've seen, kid at I've all. Seen one yeah. video of the guy, and I was like, "Oh, that dude's dumb." That's um, that's kind of how he comes off. Yeah, and and he's a he's a Trump guy, and so I I don't. He's very, you know, you knew he's going to get criticized, and but what's interesting though is that the guy he's running against, who is Raphael Warnock, who is a good politician. Herschel Walker's a, not good at being a politician. He's a, he was a amazing football player. But he's not good at being a politician. Warnock is good at being a politician. So Warnock is able to handle some of his criticisms a lot more smoothly than Herschel Walker is. But what the media doesn't talk about is that Warnock has had accusations of running over his wife intentionally with his car, her foot, after they got in a fight. His wife coming out and calling him an actor and saying he... So he's had comments from his family that are very similar to comments that we just heard from Herschel Walker's family. Warnock is just better at handling them, and the media focuses on Herschel's more than they do Warnock. So to me, that says we have two candidates here that are both bad. (laughs) <laughs> that, that's kind of what I take from that race there. And I think Warnock is probably going to win because he's the better politician. Yeah, well, I mean, in what's his name? Um, Warnock, I would just like to... Uh, Stella, put him on my list, please. You know the list, the punch list. Put it on the list. Something about Ra- Raphael Warnock makes me want to fight. I don't know what it is. Right. Yeah, no, he, he's... It's a, it's a weird race because you have two black men running against each other. And the media, the, the mainstream media anyway, they obviously they're going to focus their attention on, on Herschel Walker, which is interesting. I, I think that Warnock's probably going to win pretty easily, if I had to guess. And it does make you wonder why they want the attention on that race as opposed to other potential races. And, and I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Herschel Walker's no not idea. the greatest candidate in the world. And, and he did write the stuff in the book. That doesn't mean you can't just write something in the book and say, I wrote it in the book, so now I'm good. Now I'm clear. That's, that's not okay. That's perfectly fine. But they're bringing up stuff that's already been kind of brought up in the news and debated. But that happens, and it should be brought yeah. up. Honestly, okay, it should so, be brought up. So it's, this is a very weird thing because I'm happening upon this kind of now. And one of the things I, I saw was from December of 2021, his son, Christian Walker, uh, tweeted a video of his dad hugging him as he introduced him at Mar-a-Lago for something and about how great of a night it was because they were going to beat Democrats. Um, and so right before he sent that tweet that I read, um, he said, uh, so th- I don't, this is so odd. It's such a weird thing to see like family drama on the right. national Play out stage. On Twitter. Yeah. Um, every family member of Herschel Walker asked him not to run for office because we all knew some of his past Every single one. He decided to give us all, give us the middle finger and air out all of his dirty laundry in public 
while simultaneously lying about it. I'm done. So it seems like, I don't know, man. This is very, I I just got to take this in. It's something to take in. I saw that right before we started the show too. It did make me wonder because there's always the, you know, there's no doubting about some of his past. There's no doubting that. But it also makes me wonder who's been paid to say what. Yeah. You, you know, uh, this one's again, not, not defending that's anything. Why. That, <laughs> yeah. It's all weird. I think they're both bad candidates. I think Warnock wins. And I think that Herschel Walker's in there to be a, stra- a distraction for something. Yeah. Uh, that, that's my opinion. I don't think he has a chance of winning, honestly. All right. So I got one more clip that is, I think is pretty funny that uh, we're going to play as, as the final clip of the day. But before we get to that, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the DMB XR, which is going to be Cam's business with the Mexican cartel, which I don't know anything about. He teased this to me as well. So I am actually excited to find out about that as well. And I do have a couple more clips from this Global Goal Conference, which I, I find pretty insightful. And we're going to play those and talk about whatever else comes to mind. And if you want to get access to that content, that subscriber-only content, the DMB XR, then you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there today. All right. Final clip of the day. <laughs> this is the guy who is, he's one of the hosts. So they have these guys come out and they do the transitions and say, we're going to welcome out the next panel or whatever. This guy, he actually describes to us kind of the mindset of these globalists and how they think about this, this collective global international order that they talk about. And he does it in such a gleeful manner to the point of uh, he apparently wants to tattoo it across his chest. And I think you might get a kick out of this guy, Kim. Here he is talking about how great we start that up, how great the global order is, this broadcaster. We've only been here less than half an hour and I already have a few quotes that I would confidently tattoo across my chest. The SDGs are simply our right to live and our right to have an easy life on this earth. The Sustainable Development Goals, the 2030 Agenda, the Great Reset, are their right to have a happy life. I'll let him finish. got a couple more seconds. Oh, go ahead, Kim. I just... Okay, please rewind it. <laughs> right. So yeah, I should tell right you something about SDGs. Yeah, it's it's the right to ha- to have a happy life. The sustainable he development goal. Easy. Goals, right? He said easy. <laughs> easy life. Correct. Yes. Thank you. We've only been here less than half an hour, and I already have a few quotes that I would confidently tattoo across my chest. Tattoo them. The SDGs are simply our right to live, and our right to have an easy life <laughs> on this earth. Maybe too long, but I can put it across my chest. <laughs> uh, yes. Very funny. It's too right long. to have that, an easy life. That is the mindset, dude. That is, that is the mindset they put on these younger people where they have this right. Nothing should be hard. It's just a right. And that's why they should go with this progressive globalist agenda. I mean, that to me, the guy's laughing and joking when he's saying that about the tattoo. But I really think that perfectly sums up the mindset they want to kind of a program you know, very young people with. It's their right to have an easy life. And therefore, they should agree with this global collectivist agenda. It's the you dumbest see? thing I've ever heard uh, in it's my entire really life. Oh my <laughs> God. Easy, uh, you have a right to an easy life? What kind I, of I, comment I, is that? I know, nobody has a right to an easy... Life is life, you know? It's... it's what, life what is, is really... It? Yeah, it's hard. I'm sorry, it's so stupid. What is an easy life? What is an easy? Well, tell me what an easy life is. It's a, is it Bruce Wayne goals. No, it's Bruce SDG Wayne goals. with his freaking his Bruce Wayne is a racist, violent person that you can't know. Bruce, everybody hates Bruce Wayne. I just mean like 
Like, are you like <laughs> a, a, an easy life is one where you don't have to ever worry about your bills, ever. So that's part of an easy life, right? But part, yeah. It, 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 if you're the richest person on the planet, some things are far, far easier. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Absolutely. But emotionally, yeah, an easy life is not. Nobody's gonna it's live not, and not experience trauma, not experience sadness, not have not have possible. heartaches. It's so <laughs> you know. But that is the message, though. That is the message. You, you do this, you're going to struggle. Things are going to be hard, but you come over here. You do the SDG, we tattoo it across the chest. And you will have an easy, easy life. A very safe U.S. biolapse says anyone wearing a suit like that is, is suspect AF. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's, did, you, did you think that would make me as mad as it made me? I like it, knew it would get a reaction out of you. I didn't know what exactly the reaction would be. <laughs> it's so stupid that it's making me angry. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> it's a hor- It's a dumb thing to say. It's so and, stupid. So, and, so I'm on a panel discussion after that, and I'm introduced that way. I can't not comment on that. So what I, what I used to do, when I used to do stand-up every single night and, and open mics and, and shows every night, if somebody in front of me said something that everybody in the room said, that was weird or stupid, you either comment on that or during your entire set, everybody's thinking about how stupid that is. So you have to address the elephant in the room. And so I would always comment on it and I would you know, kind of flip it into a joke. And I, but nobody addresses this. This guy just says that and they just move on into the next panel. It's like, oh, he's right. This is your right to have an easy life with the sustainable development goals of 2030 agenda, the Great Reset. That is what they would have people believe. And these global influencers who are the people who are there, the goalkeepers, as they call them at the Bill Gates Foundation, those are the ones in the crowd that they are influencing, that they're putting these messages into their heads. And these are younger people, TikTok influencers, Instagram influencers. And that's what a couple of the clips are going to speak to in the XR when we get to it. But that is just, it is, I mean, I think that guy believed it too. The way he delivered it, I think he believed it. What do you think? Yeah, I think. You don't, you did not like that clip at all. You didn't like that guy. I, I, I don't want to live on the planet with these people. Yeah, well, I mean, fortunately, maybe they'll be on another planet at some I, point soon. You know what? You know, I just, I just fell into it because if I didn't have to live on the planet with these people, then I would have an easy life. So, there you go. <laughs> I think we can wrap the show up with that right there. It's a oh. good place to wrap it up. So we're gonna go into the DMBXR again. If you want to check that out with us, you can go to. Patreon.com slash Propaganda Report, Rockfin.com slash Propaganda Report, where we will continue to stream live. And you can find the Propaganda Report podcast wherever you find your podcast. We will talk to you guys next time. Have a fantastic rest of your evening. All right, you are listening or watching the Drive Time News Blast XR. I'm Brad Binkley here with Cam Harless. So I do have a couple more clips from that panel discussion there. But Cam, did you want to start us off? I know you had a story about the Mexican cartel. Yeah, so um, I I don't think it's safe to even share this necessarily on Rockfin. So I've, I've sent you a photo to your email. I'm going to pull it, that up right okay, now. Uh, what, all I'm going to tell you before you open it is this came to me at about 11 o'clock this morning, unprompted. Oh, my God.
Yeah. Hor- that is horrifying, Cam. I need to describe. Can I describe? You can describe scene? it. I just, I mean, you could put it up if you feel like it's okay. I'm just saying. It's a severed head that's very brutally slashed. It's gross. It's, I'm not going to put it up. It's disgusting. Well, yeah. What does that have to do with your whatever experience? So I, so apparently I got this call and I didn't answer it because I never answer calls where I don't know the number. Um, but right before that picture that I sent you, um, there was a, the, the text message above it said, call me to solve this problem. And I was like, I don't know what problem this is. How, c- how am I possibly going to help you with this? And uh, he goes, he says, listen, listen to my name is Ramos Rakar from the cool Mexican poster of the House of Domestic Sexual Service. I've been calling you because you've been talking to one of my girls who offered you her service and you just wasted her time. I have a set fee for you to pay. If you don't pay her, a couple of your family members will lose their lives. Don't try to block me or turn off the phone because I have your address and your families as well. Write me to solve something in a go hell does that mean uh i'm going to call your family and explain what's going on here if i hurt one of them it's your fault for not paying the girl's money what sounds like a scammer to me sounds like Uh, a bad scammer to me (laughs) so i i I took a three-pronged approach which is i sent two texts and then i sent an image yeah it looks Um, like the approach that whoever cut this guy's head off took as well uh so so what i did (laughs) is the first thing i said to this person was, oh, this is going to be fun. I've been meaning to try out this AR. And then <laughs> and then I said, not going to lie, this is not what I meant when I said I, I wanted head. <laughs> and then finally, I sent him a picture of our friend Whip, uh, his, his balls. I sent a picture of sent him a picture of Whip's balls. Do you have that regularly just available? To I send? don't. I had to ask Whip directly for the picture of his balls right, to send yeah. it. Yeah. And that's my friend, good, that's a good relationship when you know, you can ask him <laughs> that question <laughs> and, and say, like, Oh yeah, no, th- no problem. Man. And what the, I think maybe my favorite part of it was unprompted, completely unprompted. My friend Kyle saw the number, sent a text oh, message, oh, the- took a, took a picture of his own balls. <laughs> say, and sent it. A random guy just knew. <laughs> then no, whip I'll sends them to you and you say, sorry, my buddy already sent me his balls. <laughs> So this guy got got to see at least two sets of balls today, uh, trying to scare me. Right? Yeah. Like, what you're you're gonna come into my suburb and kill me? Like, I won't see you coming. What do you think that uh, looks like Sir Tim of Tunnels says something to share with the class? Cam, I don't know that I want to see those images that were sent to the this guy. Do you think that this was somebody (laughs) who was being legitimate? Or do you think um, no. this was like well, a scammer who was? This you is, get a lot of scammers sending stuff that are just kind of extreme sometimes nowadays. I think I think it was a scammer, absolutely not really from the Mexican cartel, uh, but <laughs> at, this, so. at, this, at the well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm going to sleep with the AR next to my bed, yeah, yeah just definitely. in case. But and a picture yeah. of of whips balls, obviously, yeah, next to your bed as well, absolutely. Well, the the thing was, I was going to send him a picture of my balls. But then uh, I forget who it was. Um, said, you know what? You needed. You don't need to send your own balls. Send someone else's balls. That way, if he comes to your house and you show him your balls, he'll go, "Oh, wrong guy." Right. Yeah. yeah I don't know yeah. these balls. Right. So because uh, yeah, he'll have that pulled up on his phone to identify right, you with. Right. And he'll yeah. when he 
And then it'll and just be like, have... I'm sorry, I, I stormed your house and yanked your pants down. That's yep. my apologies. <laughs> so yeah, I, I had a very weird thing happen this morning. And it's 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 right after I had my debit card number stolen and had hundreds of dollars of crap bought, Bitcoin sent through different things that I found out. Um, is the bank gonna like fix all that for you? Do you know? They, you- I I sure hope they do. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm I'm tr- I'm trying to get all that sorted out now. But it's like that, and then I, I went so and I told Whip this earlier, so he already knows. Um, I opened up my Snap. I think this may be connected somehow. Um, but I opened up my Snapchat for the first time in like two years. And I had friend requests in there, and I, 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 I was just like, yeah. okay, sure, it's whatever. Very interesting. Did you know that Snapchat is used for prostitution? <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I didn't. I really didn't. I thought that's the only thing it was used for. I, I had no idea that that was a thing. And I got, I got a message from probably like five different girls that were like, like hey, hey you want to hook up? And I'm I like, I heard about no. those pictures of your balls. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, mean, I had like five, five or so girls like send me menus of what they offer unprompted. And I was like, the hell is this? And I was like, no, go away. Leave me alone. Um, but yeah, so I think I don't know if it may have been from that situation or not since I yeah. had. I didn't know that. I, I thought that's all it was used for. I thought it was just used for like sending nudes to your friends or something or your your sending your balls to your friends. Yeah. I mean, that's what I use it for. Yeah. <laughs> What's the most boomer thing I've ever said that I didn't know it was for for prostitution? Uh, <laughs> I remember I the first time I looked at Snapchat, somebody uh, that I know was like, "Yeah, uh, we're sending Snapchat." And I opened it up, and I was like, "I think this is for like porn and prostitution." It, it certainly looks that way to me. Like it's it's so weird because it's delete they, they delete it right like this stuff can get deleted yeah. right away I, I think that's you know I don't believe this actually like fully deleted right. it's in a warehouse in Joe Biden's or Hunter Biden so it all goes to Hunter Biden's laptop is where it all goes oh, that's the thing I the, the only times I've ever used it in the past it's been with friends like purely so I've never run into other people or prostitutes or sex stuff found it this time and now I'm gonna get just my, online my or in person off. you haven't. You've run into any? any I've never run into or... a prostitute in real life either. Really? No, I, I've definitely. I remember the first time that I definitely knew that it was a prostitute. It was in Buckhead, Georgia, and my friends nice and I. Y- usually, I wear like you know, jeans with holes in them and and just you know, you know, random t-shirts with stupid shit on them. And we're like, you know, we should just go out tonight in Buckhead and just wear suits like we have money or something, which none of us had money. And so we did, and we went to this bar that was way too expensive for any of us. But we got in that bar and we all had our suits and we looked nice. And we were in our early twenties, and I, I remember walking up the the very beautiful staircase to the bathroom. And this woman who was just gorgeous and just a, just a very tight dress, she just like, she, she, as I walked past her, she kind of like brushed up against me and stared at me longer than any woman had ever stared at me in my life. And then I got down to the bottom of the stairs and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that was a, that was a hooker. That, like at first I was really, I was like, oh, I was really excited. And then I had the realization it was a hooker. And then I watched her do the same thing to all the other people who looked like they had money in the place. She would have been very, very disappointed. I would have been like, I got like, I got like seven quarters here. What can you do for seven, seven quarters? Yeah. That's, that was the first instance where I knew that I had run into a prostitute, but it's just, 
Yeah. I think they're all going to be there on Snapchat because it's a perfect platform for it. It's like um, OnlyFans, but you don't have to set a, establish a, a subscription program. And there's a comment here that says that maybe the guy from Search Him of Tunnels that stole your debit card was that pissed off cartel guy. Maybe. Have you ever thought about that? Hey, you never know. Maybe he's a Just prostitute. Don't send money's money to whores. Just don't. No, don't ever do it. God, that picture is horrifying. I don't even want to put us disgusting. Dude, photo. imagine just opening that shit up on your phone. Have you done a reverse image search on that to see if it shows up in anywhere else? Like I didn't. I, I don't think Rotten.com exists anymore. But Rotten.com Rotten doesn't exist. Be Best Gore doesn't exist anymore. Um, but I, I had friends, uh, uh, my friend Chris, and I think... Whip says BRB installing Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful, um, but no, it's yeah. I, I. They looked for it and they, they didn't see it. But I mean, that's a common thing. So I, I'm not even if I don't find the exact head, it may have been on Rotten.com and taken off, and you know, Rotten's right. gone, yeah. or it might have been on Best Score. Best Score's gone, whatever. Yeah. And so, like, I'm not worried about that. Plus, All I right. mean, it should be yeah. fun. If they so before I play a couple more clips uh, for the um, from the. Actually, you know what? I'm going to save this for the end because that'll be the more lighthearted stuff. I'm going to play the clips okay. from the Bill Gates thing. Then we'll end with uh, the thing that I think I just want to get your reaction to. We're going to go back to the Bill Gates conference, and this is more elaboration on what to do about the disinformation problem. They call it a problem anyway, which is really just a problem of any information that disagrees with them. Is, I think the more fun this is that Indian guy again who founded a fact-checking company. And what we found is, I think, the more fun you make it, the more people participate. Yeah. Uh, and, and the more dreary it sounds, like a, like almost like a government program, the more, more people will not take up... Uh, it's talking about gamifying it again. Uh, you know? yeah. So when we said, can we, we don't want to do a 45-minute workshop on, uh, uh, on Instagram, suppose we said we want to do this workshop to develop critical thinking because that's important for you, no one's going to no, touch it. Take it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Right. When you say, come and have fun and find out you know, whether this video was fake or not, people will, more likely people will participate. Yeah, fair. That that makes a lot of sense. I would I would join the more fun side. That's like a simple thing, and and fortunately, I don't think they're very good at making that stuff fun. But I think it's worth knowing that they're trying to. They're trying to gamify. They're looking for ways to try and make us be interested in that stuff, and they target obviously to specific demographics, but. The whole gamification thing, and I've seen this more and more on these websites that fight against disinformation about, can you spot the disinformation? And the disinformation is always something that didn't come from ABC or CNN or NBC. That's always the answer. It's yeah. never about the content. It's never about actually investigating the content with these people. It's all about that compliance. Gates let the, I mean, he let the monkey out of the bag there. It's all about that effing compliance. And Bill Gates is like the last person anybody would want to comply with. Just get a more charismatic figure if you want people to comply, which I guess is what they're trying to do when they try and con your, your preacher. And to, Sir Tim of Tunnel says, just pay Kathy, Kathy Griffin what you owe her, Cam. Never. <laughs> yes, she did Cam. not deliver on what she promised. Right. She didn't do it. Yeah. All right, here's another one. Um, I know we're short on time, so I, I just want this is about solutions. I wanted to wrap up with a, a question that I think uh, is, uh, you know, intended for all the goalkeepers here who are doing incredible work. What can people do on the short term, right? Any advice for the goalkeepers? These are people who are trying to create change uh, and, and see inaccurate information spreading on the issues that they're working on. What can they be doing in the short term to, to tackle those challenges? 
I think, you know, this is a room full of people with extraordinary voices and commitment to causes. And again, we're talking about this misinformation issue in the context of a pandemic, but it's just a, it's a structural issue. This is how information moves today. Influence. This woman looks like she's wearing somebody's drapes, like, uh, like curtains as, as a dress. I didn't mean to pull that back. But this woman is at the heart of all of this stuff. So it's worth hearing like her ideas about these solutions. I think I pulled it back a little bit too far there. Here we go. Pandemic, but it's just a, it's a structural issue. This is how information moves today. Influencers have profound power, which means that all of you in this room have that power. And so choosing to use your voice to be participants, to try to share accurate information, and also to, to try to correct things that you may see in your community or really be a, a voice and a beacon for accurate information within your space or to say, you know, we just don't know yet and that's okay. We're going to wait and we're going to figure it out together right, yes. is really the direction that we need to be going. And I think you're all so remarkably positioned to do that. So she's speaking to these influencers about spreading of accurate information and, you know, say you don't know. It, 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 what they say is you say you don't know because you want to make it look like you're being thoughtful about your response about it. And they, they talked about this a little bit earlier in it, is the quest to be the quickest to report the information. But telling these influencers to, you need to repeat these messages, this is just like what we saw with the Truth Brigade, except it's young people who have influence in their communities worldwide being told the scripts to tell from Bill Gates and Renee Dries right here. And then this other dude comes in and he really gets to the, the heart of the matter, the, uh, the Indian guy about, you know, how to make sure you get the accurate information, the truthful information out there. I think people have to, uh, you know, it's, it's including telling your children how to use the internet. You know, if, if, I have a, if I have a catch in my back and I uh, Google and WebMD tells me that there could be 10 reasons for that, ranging from a sprain to uh, bone marrow cancer or something. The, the, it's, it's not that it's not true. It is true. But it's, it's, I'm not qualified to read it. I'm not qualified to assess it because I'm not a physician. So how do you tell people that, you know, even if you see information which might be fully accurate, mm -hmm. you should be not, you, I mean, you should be training yourself on how to engage it and, and engage with it. And that's the best Time to do that is perhaps when children uh, or people are, people are young, and maybe when people are very old, uh, you know, and, and we've seen it work on both sides of the spectrum. So, yeah, I think uh, people should really work with family members and children to start with, and then look outside and, and really talk about using the internet more carefully, uh, or the word media literacy that uh, Rene used. That, that's what he wants to self, he wants to train people to self-censor. He wants to train young people and people who are very old, he said it again there to see information that they're not qualified to see. You have yeah. to recognize when you're not qualified to look at information and stop yourself. I mean, that's unbelievable to me. Yeah, well, I mean, that was, that was the, the, the whole subtext was, you know, you can't look at these different things like the vaccine and different health effects or whatever and make any decisions because you're not a physician. It's, it's all about you have to con consult our specific experts otherwise absolutely i just it, it, oh it's so, so like, it's so malicious man it really is man it's all about unthinking there was the comment earlier somebody made about yeah training people not to to critically think that yeah so we had uh very safe u.s biolab said we haha we don't like critical thinking right guys yeah exactly and that, that's that's the last thing they want is they just want people to comply like bill gates said so when i've i've I've, quote, done my own research, and I actually saw this tweet going around earlier today about 
it was uh, somebody who was CDC aligned, I would say. And they were like, all my CDC friends had their Halloween costumes ready. And it was a picture of their yard and it had a gravestone. And the gravestone said, I did my own research. You know, because you do your own research and you die. The implication being there. So like, I've done my own research for a long time because my mom had a rare disease. And she was told she had no, nobody could help her. So we started doing our own research a long time ago. And what happens when you do your own research is, at least for me, is you don't make your own diagnosis and start just doing stuff, is you have that research ready that you found. And when you go and see doctors, whoever you go and see, you have it with you and you ask questions based on what you discovered. So you take your own research to people who might be more knowledgeable about it, and then if they dismiss that, with no actual reasoning, which I've had happen to me, then you go see another freaking doctor. And then, from my experiences, when you find another doctor who is open-minded and not controlled by this agenda, they say, oh, yes, I'm aware of this, and you're right, and here's what we do instead. Here are the alternative options. Or they say, I was not familiar with that research. They take it in, and then they come back to you with what they recommend based on that. So, they're making it seem like doing your own research is something, oh, I'm going to do my own research and just immediately do what I say. I don't think that's what most people do. I think most people, they try and inform themselves as much as possible. Then they try and find people who are more knowledgeable than them about that subject who will be open-minded to what they've discovered. Because I, I, I got to tell you, if you're ever in that situation and you do find some research regarding some sort of issue that you or a family member is having and that that research gets rejected immediately without reason by a doctor you're seeing, find another doctor because that doctor is not concerned. That doctor is concerned with aligning with, a, with an agenda, with not getting fired. Find a doctor at a research institute. Always go to the research institutes if you can and bring it with you. Quite often, they will be happy. They, they may even be like, great, I didn't know this because it's hard to be a doctor and also be a research person, you know? And doctors operate based on what they know, not based on what what is known, what has come out. And this idea that it's a bad thing to ask questions, it's just flabbergasting. I love using that word. Very rarely do I use it. Flabbergasting. That people will accept being told just to comply and not ask questions. And that's what seems to be going on in this situation here. What do you think, Kim? Just... There's this this under see what they're telling people. I mean, it's it's subtle in some ways. I mean, like they say, someone's qualified. They give the example of a of a medical doctor because you know you can everyone can go. Oh yeah, I don't know as much as a doctor. I don't right. know as much of as course. a doctor, right? Yeah. But they but what they're telling people is that they're stupid. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and it's exactly. It's it's incredible. It's 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 elitism. It's the same old elitism we used to have, but it's under the cover of uh, providing safety, and it's it's so malicious. I just can't. I, I can't get right. past the way that. It's such a hassle too. Yeah. They feel all oh, these fucking people. They fucking just just don't even look at the information. You fucking idiots. Right. Well, that's the thing. They want you to look at the information, but then they're like, no, no, no. So. They can people can look at the information that say that there were certain a certain number of after not after effects uh, side effects and even deadly ones from the vaccine and they they, they don't look at that you can't look at that you're not smart enough to look at that right. but 
the studies that were paid for yeah. by Pfizer and by uh, what's the other one? Bullshit. Merck, Moderna, whatever. Moderna. Yeah. Moderna. And, and they're like, hey, uh, you can read this. It, it, it bolsters our point. You don't need to be an expert for this. Look at it. The expert did the work for you. Right. Yeah. I mean, I had the exact experience I described. I had with two doctors with my dad who had a condition about a month after he got the vaccine where it was, you know, it, it was a rare, it, I found it as being described as a rare side effect and his condition was described like to a T and they got a lot of pressure because my mom was sick for a long time and they were pressured by a lot of doctors to get it. And I, I said, we should maybe wait a little while. And they did wait a little while and they ended up getting it. And then he got this condition. And when I went to the doctor with him and the doctor was talking about what could be done because it was a terminal condition. And I, I said, is there a possibility that this was caused by the vaccine? And the reason I asked that is because I found a case study that was vaccine induced. That was exactly what he had. And it described his exact situation, same age, same group. And the, one of the solutions was do not get the booster shot. And I knew that there would be pressure for him to get the booster shot. So that's why I was asking. I wasn't just trying to call out the doctor. I was asking for a legitimate reason. And I said, is there a possibility that this was caused by the vaccine? And the guy lost his shit. The doctor lost his shit. And he said, no, 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 absolutely not. No. And then he started telling me, that I need to get the vaccine because I could die. If I could, like he asked, well, do you have the vaccine? I said, no, I don't. They started telling me I was going to die. So that was his response to it. And then he said, oh, if you have something that says that, and, and I did, I actually had it in my bag. I said, yes, I have it right here. And I had it highlighted and I showed it to him and he read it and he got cognitive dissonance. He started short circuiting. He goes, wow, that's interesting, but you're going to die if you don't get it. And so we left and I said, dad, that guy's full of it. We're going to go see another doctor. And the other doctor we went to was a doctor at a research institute, and we went to her, and I brought up the exact same thing, except I said, I know I'm not supposed to ask this question. And she said, you can ask any question here. And, I, and that made me feel better. And when I said that to her, she said, yes, I've seen that. That is a po She didn't say conclusively that that was a cause, because there are other possible causes, and I know that. But I was still bringing it up because of the booster thing coming up. And I, I said it to her, and she said, that is a possibility. We're going to look into it, and when it comes to the booster, because we're not, they could not identify specifically if that was it. So she said, it's up to you guys on the booster, whether you're going to get the booster or not. And then I found other publications that came out in the aftermath of that, that also identified this as a rare side effect. So didn't get the booster, but the fact that that one doctor refused to look at anything and even consider it shows that you should do your own research. And when doctors act like that, always go find another opinion. Always go find another freak of, freaking opinion. These people are so afraid of losing their jobs. I don't think this guy was trying to like intentionally be bad. I think he was so afraid of losing his job that he was just like repulsed by anybody who questioned him and his ego. I think his ego was taking over. It was it pissed me off, man. Because yeah, for other reasons I won't talk about. But yes, do your own research. But do your own research and ask questions would be my advice in any situation like that. I'm going to love, Whip says Brad's going to love my nuts. I, probably, I might, you know, I've, I've, I'm very optimistic about your nuts. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> All right, Kim, before we get out of here, I played this last week, but what I would like to do is um, I want you to see this because okay. I, I want to get your opinion on it. This is the new Virgin Atlantic ad. I just want to get your opinion. Would you fly Virgin Atlantic 
after seeing this ad? Would you be more likely to fly Virgin Atlantic anyway? Let me see if I had this on screen here. There we go. This is just a great ad by Virgin Atlantic. I think you'll I think you'll enjoy it, Kim. Here it is. People walking down a runway in their Virgin Atlantic outfits, they're partying. It says on screen, plus optimal program. Give individuals freedom to wear the uniform that best represents them. I wanted to be involved in this campaign to affect change in this world. I have a trans non-binary child, so for me, changing the world is my job as a mom and as a friend and an ally. I feel fabulous, fierce, and ferocious, and I am ready to take flight. Be Yourself campaign means absolutely everything to me. I get to be myself, a non-binary person. I have the choice of a uniform, which is a massively big thing. It's so important. Yeah, just for people just listening, there was just a black male walking up like a red carpet with a sexy stewardess outfit on and high heels. Now they're in a weird circle, dancing. Show that backside this off. This allows everyone to have a seat at the table. It's not taking away from anyone. It's just allowing everyone. This is a man in a skirt and high heels. It's not about cancelling people. It's not about. This is a man as a woman. It's just about more inclusive language. Now they're showing like twerking type My stuff. Pronouns are to be fair. Any pronouns she heard, they them. I feel great. I'm not gonna lie. I feel very swell. Put on. I said, yeah. It just feels very much like me. Like I feel very affirmed. <laughs> Why are they holding glow sticks? If we are clean, <laughs> we are pressed, and we are looking the way we're supposed to look, then why aren't we able to present as we identify? And that's what's so beautiful why? about Virgin Atlantic. Yeah, it's beautiful. Why is Virgin Atlantic a glow stick party at the most trans-friendly nightclub you've ever seen? What did you think, Kim? Are you going to fly Virgin Atlantic? No, but here's 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 the thing. Why are they fixing problems that don't exist? Yeah, how much of their their actual paying audience is that target? Well, I mean, know? but not only that. How many of their employees are non-binary or whatever, and they said no before? Like, they, I I guarantee oh, you, they did, they never cared before, and no, none of the others do. Just a freaking let's make up some issues, dudes. And let's fix them I, to alienate half our half our. I, I don't think that there could base. be a yeah exactly. I don't think there could be a better example of an ESG move than this commercial because you're not you're losing money with a commercial like this. You, you, maybe BlackRock will give you more money for your ESG credit score to make it a little bit you know to overcome that. But man, what? I guess the upside is that you'll have a lot more legroom on a Virgin Atlantic flight because nobody's going to be on it. Yeah. But well, that's the thing. Like Virgin Atlantic, like that's a real um, uh, what's it called? Not airport, Air, um, airline. Yeah. Like it's. I mean, I've heard of it, but I always assumed it was just for like rich people or something. Like because you know Richard Branson comes across as a very rich jackass. Right. I just yeah. assumed it was all for like rich people. Right. Well, um, at this point, it probably is. Maybe that's why they did that to get all the fucking scum off of the air, airline. Because somebody's. Got, can you imagine that? Just being on an air, airline and this this guy in high heels, obviously a dude, and, and a tight skirt walks up and he's like, you know, you need to you need to put your tray table up and and buckle your seatbelt. All I know is that 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 ad did not make me any more ready for luxury 
gay space communism. Right. I, what is that? Luxury gay space communism? Yeah. Yeah, that's the future. <laughs> it kind of is the future. <laughs> so I meant to pull this up. I forgot to do it. I was going to bring it up. There was – so the guy, I think it's Law and Order. I think it's the guy who created Law and Order. Dick he Wolf? was getting – Do what? Dick Wolf. Maybe. It, it might be that guy, actually. Let me see if that's him. Dick Wolf airline commercial. Maybe. So, so whoever it was they were talking about, they were, they were just bashing him because of how sexist he was and how much he loved cops. And then they were like, yeah, back in the 70s and 80s, he wrote these airline commercials about stewardesses. And uh, the commercials were all about how your stewardess is going to be a graduate of the University of Florida, and it's this sexy woman wearing this you know, hot outfit and they were just bashing for it. And I saw the commercial and it was very good looking women that it was, you know, not too unlike this commercial, except it was actual women who were going to be your stewardesses. And it's just the, the, the transition that we've seen from that, you know, cause that's the reason a lot of men might, you know, say, I'm going to fly there. If that's what they're going to push. I, I, although I, I think, I think people are going to be more driven by, by cost than anything else, but go ahead. <laughs> I think I may have found it. So let's see if this is if it. If you found it, I'd love to see it. So we compare that to this. <laughs> oh, oh, how far we've come from on airline commercials. I love that picture you made of. Yeah, I think that might be it. I'm Cindy. Fly me to Miami, Tampa, Orlando, all over Florida. Fly me. A national flying. That's not the one I saw, but that's a great comparison, too, to this one. Right. Well, that one was by Dick Wolf, apparently. That was also by him. How far we've come? Was that 30 years? That was 1972? That's actually longer than that. So it's that almost 40 years. 40 years. That's 40 years we've gone from that to what we just witnessed, and wow. I'll drive, personally. I'll just go ahead and drive. <laughs> take the Amtrak. Yes, exactly. Oh, my well, God. As long as it's running, we can take the Amtrak. That's true. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you know, uh, I don't know about the Amtrak because Trump's not in charge, but you know under Trump, the trains will run on time. <laughs> You're right about that. Certain oh, I did of- want to mention something real quick. Right. You showed the little uh, – they shared the video briefly of like the deposition with uh, Bill Gates. Yeah. Um, if you want a good laugh, and that's what this reminded me of, uh, search for verbatim what is a photo- photocopier. It's this video of an actual deposition that p- these people acted out. And it's about <laughs> what a photo photocopier is. It's it's All incredible. Right. The yeah. only other thing which made me think of um, this other thing, which was it was a Rick and Morty. Um, there was it was drawn as Rick and Morty doing the conversation between a judge and a uh, defendant in Georgia, I believe. And so search Rick and Morty court, and if you, it's the funniest thing. I All swear right. to God. Yeah, yeah, I like Rick and Morty. All right, cool. Well worth the watch. I'm just going to give you those things. Definitely. 
All right. Uh, thank you, Cam. That's uh, good to have you back, man. I'm glad you're safe. Glad everything turned out, other than your fence and your yeah. power and everything. Glad everything turned out all right. We did oh, have wait. Sir Tim of Tunnel say that the gays are the straight white males of the LGBT community. It does feel that way. It does feel like the gays are being kind of, you know, isolated from everybody else in that community. Yeah, that's that's a, yeah, that is a definitely a thing. I've I've spoken to a couple of people I know who are gay dudes and they're like, I, I feel like I've been kicked out of the gay community. It's weird. We're, we're the, we're the it's, G it's, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's cause I mean, you know, I'm not going to classify any group as one thing. And I think that's the problem with the way they do all this stuff and intersectionality. That's the way intersectionality works too, is you can't, eventually everybody's going to get pushed out except the most intersectional person at, at the top of that. And the gay guys that I know, they question stuff. And they don't like people yeah. who question stuff. I think that's what it comes down to, basically. Whew. I guess Brad left for some reason. So maybe maybe I'll finish it off. I didn't kick him out, but <laughs> he may come back in a second. Um, so if if not, hey, do you have any questions in the chat? Maybe he'll come back. Throw, throw something in the chat while I, I wrap I this up. I think I just accidentally, <laughs> I hit the wrong button and I cut myself out there. Were you wrapping it up for us? <laughs> I was I, I was asking for questions because I was like, what, "What? He just left?" No, I hit the wrong button and it took me out of the stream yard. <laughs> I was like, "Oh shoot!" <laughs> so. Oh man, I am glad to be be back and doing things. It's going to be a busy week for me this week because I have yeah. we're uh, tentatively scheduled. I think uh, you and me Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right? And I have a, an episode of the Mad Ones. Uh, with a woman whose father started a cult. Interesting. And she was the the cult leader's daughter. Uh, that's Tuesday. And then Wednesday, we officially start up our spooky season. We're talking to uh, Israel Petty, who goes by Izzy Centric. Um, and he is, he a, he's a Christian dude, but he's a self-taught um, demonologist and paranormal researcher. Cool. So we're going to talk about that as well. So I'm, Very I'm, cool. I'm, I'm stoked. I love October. I get to talk about all the weird stuff. I should tell you about, I went to the, I'll, maybe I'll do this uh, later this week. I went to the Bigfoot Museum a couple Ooh. of weeks ago. I could tell nice. you about it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you, Cam. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for all the great stuff in the chats. We will talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your evening.